but I, I still love Terminator. I think that it's like such a, a fun kind of character. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of movies nowadays are just kind of ruined by like the internet being a thing. And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, well, once you have internet and GPS, it's just like they can always track you. And so it, it kind of takes some of the sting out of like the enemies. Welcome back to another long-awaited episode of Conversation. I'm your host, Brandon T. McClure, your guide on this journey through your favorite podcasters' fandoms. Boy, it's been a while, hasn't it? Guys, burnout is real. But I'll get into what's been happening a bit at the end of the episode. The beginning of the episode is for setting up the guest, and the end of the episode is for the info dump. So... I'll just get a few things out before the interview, uh, but don't forget, if you want to skip ahead, the timecode is in the description. First, I want to shout out a previous guest, Rachel Strange, from the Narrative Labyrinth podcast from a few episodes ago, if you recall. I was uh, the guest on the latest episode uh, of the Narrative Labyrinth, uh, Adapted, uh, and that's going to be linked below if anyone is interested. I had a great time uh, talking about Star Trek, um, and I, I hope people enjoy listening to it. Um, it was a lot of fun. Thank you, uh, Rachel, for having me on, and uh, I hope we can uh, collab again. But let me also just say thank you to my to the previous guest of this show, which was this just the one past, which was Mark Reed. If you guys remember from a couple weeks ago, I'm sorry again for the delay of the Creative Psychopaths podcast. I uh, really enjoyed talking to him, and I hope uh, I'll get another chance to do this. I'll do so in the future. Before I introduce this week's guest, I just want to remind everyone to rate this show on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter. The link is in the description. Uh, you can also follow us on Fickner Podcast on Instagram, where we upload updates for all the shows in our little family. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to me at this show, uh, please reach out uh, through my socials or email at conversationpod at gmail.com my normal socials are linked below as well as bt mcclure on instagram and twitter all right so without further ado it's time i introduce al larson the host of the movies that move us podcast he and his co-host bring on various guests to talk about how movies have influenced people uh so we mostly focus on that uh he has some interesting opinions on movies and uh being in that fandom so we dive into some of that he has some really interesting thoughts about how impactful movies can be to a singular human being uh which were really fun to, to digest and kind of dive into it's fun uh, we also get into some things that we agree on like like theater etiquette which was very important to me at the time because uh there was a lot of stuff bothering me about going to the movie theater um that we get into some of that but kind of a soapbox moment i hope you guys don't mind but other than that there's not really a lot that i need to get into uh before i start the interview uh for you guys I had a great time talking to him. He's a cool guy, and I'm very happy with this discussion, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So, uh, you know, without further ado, here's Al Larson of the Movies That Move Us podcast. Okay, I am here with Al Larson from the Movies That Move Us podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit about your podcast. 
so it's a movie podcast where we talk with people who have experienced movies. Um, we, we talk about movies as always being something that you're watching. And, and it feels like so often people are thinking that movies are just like a passive thing, mm-hmm. that it's just something that you watch and it doesn't do anything to you. And I feel like that is incorrect. Movies have just as much ability to change our minds and to change the uh, to to help boost us into doing new things, and uh, you know whether that's to make a big relationship decision, to uh, get into a job, to get into something that you didn't think that you were into, and it really establishes something new for you in your life. So uh, with our podcast, we talk with people about movies that have specifically left such an indelible imprint on them that they are no longer the same person. And so we we just have candid conversations about uh, what that led them to do. Oh, that's that's a heavy that's a heavy show. Uh, you know, I. I think that there are some topics that could be heavy. I'm still trying to get this one person on who uh, they talked about how they watched one episode of family guy and they knew that they needed to get a divorce. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I need that person on there, especially because they were just talking about it being like the Willy Wonka episode of family guy. So I'm just like, I want to have somebody who, who will deliver something a little bit heavier. Uh, most of the time we've found people who have found like career opportunities where they, um, We'll have an episode coming up here soon uh, about somebody who really liked uh, zombie movies after watching Dawn of the Dead. And now they are a graphic novelist who writes a zombie-related story. What is that story? Um, It's called uh, Junior Braves of the Apocalypse by Michael Tanner. Oh, I remember Michael. Michael is a cool guy. He uh, he was on uh, season one of the show. Yeah, um, loved him. Uh, it was one of my favorite episodes, honestly. Um, okay, so well, so I assume movies you consider are your primary fandom. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but why don't we talk about your fandom just in general? So so prior to starting your podcast, mind you, um, mm-hmm. what what fandoms were you into, and how did you get into those fandoms? Oh, great question. Um, so I have been into video games for a really long time. So I have been like a, a fan. Uh, I, I guess you might even call me a fanboy at some times for uh, Nintendo and PlayStation. I didn't really grow up with an Xbox. And so that's a little bit newer to me. I, I did get one, but uh, I'm like a diehard PlayStation fan, I would I say, of, of all of those. Um, so I've, I've been into those. Um, I have off and on like there was um you know everybody has like a show that was like kind of restricted to them as a as a kid and uh for me that was the simpsons we watched that for a little bit and then at one point my mom said no more simpsons and that like kind of made me want to watch it all the more so i'm i'm a big simpsons fan i went through during the time that they did uh do you remember back in what was it 2000 15 or so they did like the simpsons marathon and every episode they were just running it through and it was like two and a half weeks it was it was on like fxx and they announced they were going to do every single episode right after another and so 
during that time, I realized like, man, I love the Simpsons. I'm going to watch every single episode. I didn't do it right then when they, when they were doing it, I would have lost out on way too much sleep, Mm -hmm. but I did like make it my personal mission to like go and, and watch every single episode. So I've seen every episode at least uh, for the exception of like the last two seasons, I've seen every episode at least twice. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a that's a hell of a that's a hell of a hardcore fandom. I recently, mind you, got mm-hmm. to the point where I so like you are with The Simpsons, I am with Star Trek. I love Star Trek. Um, big, I'm a big Trek fan, and uh, I made it my mission to watch every episode of Star Trek at least once because I hadn't. And I think last year I finally accomplished that. I feel like that might be the bigger accomplishment, to be honest. Like Star Trek. How many how many seasons of Star Trek are there? There's got to be more than The Simpsons if you're counting so. all the different series. No, I don't think so. Because let's see, there's, if we if we can quickly do some math, because um, three curious. seasons of the original series. I know that. Yeah, how many seasons of The Simpsons are there now? Mm. So there are thirty. I think they're on their thirty fourth. They're on the thirty fourth. Okay, so of the of the classic Star Trek shows, there are twenty eight seasons com- uh, in total. Mm. So there's four of Discovery, three of Lower Decks, one of Strange New Worlds, and two of Picard. So it's thirty eight seasons in total, Ooh. plus twelve movies. I think it is now twelve or thirteen movies. Simpsons only has one movie. Oh, there you go. So I I did beat you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's a huge accomplishment. I I applaud you on that one. I've I I have always wanted to kind of get into Star Trek, but I I wouldn't really know where to start myself. I start with the beginning. No, okay, don't do that. Um, I can always recommend. Um, there's a new show on TV now called Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which I think is the perfect kind of opening salvo for anybody looking to get into Star Trek. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're not here to talk about my fandom. Um, so movies, though. Yeah. Because your show is, is, is the movies that move us. Um, curious what movie moved you to the point where you're like this is my fandom uh great question um you know one of the movies that really pushed me over the edge was actually uh it's a film trilogy called the before trilogy uh so it's directed by richard linklater he did school of rock that's probably like the one that most people know about and um it's ethan hawk right it's it is ethan hawk and julie delpy she's a french actress and uh it takes place nine each movie takes place nine years after the previous one Mm -hmm. so it's recorded over like an 18 year period Mm -hmm. so the the first one came out in like 95 then 2004 and then 2013 and so i i have been following some other like i i've been i've big into been into movies for a while before then but there were that movie i watched the first one i immediately had to watch the second one and it was just because they i never f- had felt so seen by a movie before really what was it about that movie it was kind of the particular way that they have uh romance in the film like it's yeah. it's just these two characters they're kind of slowly falling in love with each other over these uh 
these years and the first movie kind of has a will they will they won't they get back together at the end because it's just over the space of a night and into the morning he's like hey i'm i'm out of here do you want to like can like do you want to get together later on and it it was just the way that they like actually showed a realism to their form of relationship it was it wasn't love at first sight they were like on a date just kind of like milling about town and doing all just the random things and having conversation and conversation about nothing and everything and like you think that it's it it's kind of like the best the best date that you've ever been on and i just i loved that i really thought that that was so amazing and then the second movie before so the first one is called before sunrise mm-hmm. next one is called before sunset and that one takes place in france the first one takes place oh shoot i can't even think of where it is somewhere else in europe and uh so i've been to france a couple times i really i really love paris i think it's such a a cool magical city and they captured the city in a way that didn't feel touristy at all if you watch other uh you know any spy movie every time that they like are in paris in like mission impossible or uh james bond it feels like they're always like trying to highlight some big uh, monument that that's there it's like oh they got to show the eiffel tower oh they need to show the louvre museum they need to show blah blah blah. and they were showing like the back alleys and just like kind of recording these people as they're just having a conversation walking in like alleyways going to a park going on like a little riverboat thing down the Seine river and none of it felt touristy it just felt like this is this is real france and um i just i love that kind of inclusion in something where it feels like no this is like the actual representation of it mm-hmm. and so i i think that that one has is the most perfect of the three and then i had to go and watch the third so it was those movies that like really made me think that wow there's there's somebody out there making movies like directly for me Mm. who has like the exact same sensibilities and i was just really impressed by that so would you say you're more of like art house cinema or um do you like populist cinema or do you prefer one or the other you know, I actually think that there is, I drew up a diagram because I like, I wanted to be able to like, I practiced talking about this um, before because I mm-hmm. think that there's kind of a a level that that artists go through or like, a, sorry, not artists, uh, that m- movie nerds kind of go through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll hold it up for you as well, just so you can kind of see maybe. Um. So I've got like my, my little list, my graph, and it's like what I consider the uh, film snobbery chart. Okay. So, um, so I feel like every, every person who is like into films typically falls into this where like when you are just going, you know, just starting to watch movies, you are going to go for that more populist, like Michael Bay, MCU, like think of any franchise films that Mm -hmm. are just like, okay, this is something that's big. And like, it's, it's really just like 
serotonin straight to the brain because it's just like oh explosions and things are exciting on screen at all times for you mm-hmm. there there's very little lull it's really just to like add in some plot and then like after your first film class then like you get these people who are like a little bit more into spielberg or to like because he's got he's got some like uh he's got some populist ones like jaws but then like you you would kind of appreciate saving private ryan a little bit more for all the sure. the quiet notes of it or you know you're he's he's still very accessible he's got indiana jones but it's not um it's not just constant like explosions kind of happening and, and like people right. dying and then uh and you know maybe maybe those people they like stop calling them movies and they call them films you know um <laughs> you get the the next people me. who are <laughs> who are uh like maybe once you start like reading film criticism uh, maybe those are the people who are like into like 1940s and 60s movies you know things that are like substantially slower paced movies mm-hmm. um you know maybe they're they're into hitchcock maybe they're into like they they're finally willing to watch movies with subtitles um things like that and then like you get to that like elitist film snob which is like art house like 400 blows rashomon rififi uh, before trilogy uh, you know other things like that so i feel like most people they they kind of fit into that line and i think that i i still sometimes slip slip around in that in that line but i think that there comes a time where once you are just and once you've hit like this film snobbery level all-time high you either just stay there and like just hate on people who are watching anything that like doesn't have a subtitle or like something like that or doesn't need like constant uh Un- unraveling of all the things that are happening you have to be mm-hmm. like oh no see i have to explain this and this and this to you in order for you to understand no okay so you either like stay there and mm-hmm. that's like the kind of a terrible spot to be in or you just like kind of are able to escalate beyond that and then just be like no wait all movies are good like all movies are just fun and good and great and um you don't have you may still have to like put some kind of filter on it where you're like, okay, well I'm, I'm watching this Michael Bay movie. I'm going to turn off part of my brain so that I can enjoy it for what it is, but you can enjoy that. And still you don't feel like you're wasting your time. So I, I've tried to like always be at that level for myself where it's just like, no, all movies are good. All movies are enjoyable. Somebody went through the effort to make this and, and that's great. I don't know if I agree with the sentiment of all movies are good because I've seen some pretty bad movies, but um, I, I love the idea of keeping your mind open to everything. I um, talked about an episode that's on out at the time of this recording, um, but I don't believe in such a thing as low or high art. I, I really think that if you, that all movies should be considered art um, at some level, um because yeah. I, I i think that they are and i like the idea that just kind of keeping your mind open to the, to the fact of like this was put this wasn't put out by a computer this was put out by a person by a bunch by a bunch of people this is someone wrote a script someone shot the movies this is a work this is a, a, a this is someone's livelihood and you know there's value in that 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm not trying to say that like all movies are five out of five, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever your scale is. I'm just saying that all movies are good in in just the aspect that like yeah, somebody put this out there, you can enjoy it and enjoy it in in a certain way. Yeah, like I I personally don't really enjoy like I enjoy early Spielberg like all the way through probably like the early 2000s. I don't think that I've really enjoyed any Spielberg movies in the past 10 years. And did you so see the I, I did. And I really? didn't like it. I, I gave it like a, I think it's like just overblown. I think people really like it. I don't think it's bad. Obviously, I don't think he makes bad movies. I just don't understand the the hype for his movies. And so. Sure, there's an autopilotness to his films right now that I don't, I don't think was exhibited in the Fablemans personally. But like, if you look at something like Ready Player One, where it's like, I you know, Oof. yeah, he slept through that one. <laughs> like, really? I was... Uh, I read, I read Ready Player One, and I kept thinking as I was like reading it that I was just like, you know, I'm not really enjoying this, but like this would probably be like a really great movie. And then when I watched the movie, I was like, you know what, this wasn't a great movie, and I was just really disappointed by that. That it was just like, I, wow, all the all the things that I wanted to be in the movie version, then like got stripped out because of like licensing and things like that i just don't think that spielberg is interested in that type of film anymore and when he was attached to it like oh everyone was kind of like oh back to classic blockbuster spielberg but i don't think he wants to do those types of movies he's kind of going through a similar phase when he did uh saving private ryan and then went to the lost world like he wasn't really interested in doing the lost world he wanted to do more war movies and so and like he's made some good some good movies since and i really like um minority report and i did really enjoy the post Mm -hmm. but when he decided not to direct indiana jones 5 i thought good because honestly his heart's not in it his heart's not there anymore um i did really i I watched tintin just recently i had never seen that one and i i like some aspects of it i think that some of the script like just feels uneven but i'm really glad that they're gonna like do another one um i hear peter jackson's doing the the sequel to it for wait really it's 2025 or 2027 it's like years away but like yeah it's it's hey man if that's true hell yeah i've been wanting peter Peter jackson said he was going to direct that sequel ages ago so i yeah so somebody brought that up to me there uh i i didn't read that myself but like it sounds great if they if they do it because it felt like they did a lot of setup for this one for yeah. the next for like something else to like kind of launch right into an adventure right away and i yeah. i loved it it felt like some of the best parts of indiana jones kind of ramped up even even higher like they could do like cool physical comedy that are just like it would just be really difficult to do um with with some of the stuff that he was trying to do with tintin yeah so yeah all right, so um, you had um, actually. I, I actually, hold on. Uh, let me let me reorganize my notes a little bit because I wrote a few notes and I've confused myself. Okay, so you've interacted. So now you're you're in your fandom. You love you you love movies. You love video games. You love things like that. Yes. When you when before you decided to do your podcast, did you have people 
or a community that you felt you could share in your fandom with? Or did you feel isolated? I've no, I've noticed a couple of people lately on the show have felt isolated when it came to the fandom. I'm just curious how you interacted with your fandom prior to finding your show. Well, I, so I've been on, I was like on a couple Reddit message boards and I think Reddit is probably the wrong place to turn if you are trying to find like friendship in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that of all the social media, Reddit is like the most cynical and sarcastic and like just straight up rude of, of all of sure. them. And so I, I think that that one was kind of negative. Um, anyways, I, I found like a couple um, of different groups. There are, there are some like, um what is it it's just like different film distributors um they so i don't know if you've ever heard of like arrow media or mm-hmm. um criterion collection they they basically like put redistribute um films that have already existed maybe they remaster it or something like that so i've been like on some of those like what what they might consider high art um kind of message boards and i was trying to find like some of the some of the international films that i should watch Mm-hmm. And just to kind of bolster some of my my own film education a little bit further, um, and so I I found some people there, but it was like mostly turning to like the community was mostly just like asking if like what would be a movie that you really want Criterion to release, and it's like it's not really necessary for Criterion to always release it if it's a good movie and you like it like just buy it like you don't need to wait for criterion or for arrow or for any other distributor to like make their version to it it's like there are yeah. plenty of of companies that are like putting out good versions already so uh, i i feel like before i made my podcast i didn't really like i i wanted people to understand uh where i was coming through coming from with uh with films like i have uh you know, maybe we're talking about Fablemans earlier. Like my dad sure. didn't really understand seeing movies and, and care about that very much. He's never been one to like watch movies. And so I didn't really get much of like a love of films through my dad. And my mom was a little bit more artistic and she was like a little bit more um, into like going to the movie theater with us and whatnot. But it, she didn't really pass on on too much uh, of that film education either to to me so um i kind of lost where i was where i was going with this one but i i i just felt like um with i I wanted to share with with people like my dad and, and with other people that i was like hey like movies are a little bit bigger than than you might think it's not just like entertainment yeah. And I didn't have like enough people in my life who like really fully agreed with that sentiment. Mm-hmm. Like I, uh, and so I, I wanted to like express that in some way. And it, it didn't really feel like there was an obvious way other than to like have conversations with people um, to like try to find out, find this kind of information about people, like how movies have changed their life. Right. So did that was that like the primary reason why I decided to go we'll start your show. How old is your show actually right now? Um, we were we've done about a year and a half. Yeah, 
think it's like okay, a year and a half. We started, yeah, during the pandemic, like everybody else who has a, a podcast that like uh, we we got into something. And uh, yeah, I, I kicked the idea around to a couple people and I said, hey, I, this is like an idea that I've I've got what do you what do you think would you want to be a guest on it and i i was originally just thinking that i i would be the only host for it and uh-huh. i i had kicked it around to a couple different people one of the people they said hey i don't just want to be like a guest on this i i would like to be a, a co-host on this show so that's my co-host quince van orden uh-huh. and so i i really appreciate the uh the difference that he has with with movies like he's not afraid to tell people that like when we watch a movie of theirs that like they are very precious about that he's just like this movie sucked <laughs> and <laughs> he like he doesn't have any like uh you know like i i don't want to say that he doesn't have any filter whatsoever but he has uh maybe a lower threshold for for holding back on on certain things and for me i i try to like I try to facilitate more of the discussion and he, and so like, it's a great, it's a great dynamic that we have together. And so I, I really appreciate that for him. Um, yeah. yeah. What was the last, what was the last movie you had on that? He was like, no, this sucked. Um, it was actually Dawn of the dead. We, really? we talked about that one. He did not like it. And we were talking about the uh, 1978 original mm-hmm. and it's man, that movie is, is pretty wild. And there, there wasn't really like a format to zombie movies at the time. Like George A. Romero was setting the standard. He had already mm-hmm. like directed Night of the Living Dead back in 1968. So 10 years later, he's making an, a sequel to it. And he's kind of injecting humor and some other stuff. And it like, it feels kind of uneven in pacing. And while I was watching it, I was also feeling that where I was like, this movie is it's it's long it's like two hours Mm -hmm. 20 minutes and then like there there's like another version that's like another 15 minutes added on for an extended thing um and i think that we were watching an already extended version so maybe there's like another one out there that's a little bit shorter so Mm -hmm. it it's been like put out there a couple times and so he didn't he didn't like some of the the 70s shenanigans as i as i term them there's like Mm -hmm. weird music some uh but overall like as i like watched it i was like yeah this is kind of a weird movie and then afterwards as i was just kind of like sitting with it i was like you know what i actually enjoyed it it is long but i i did enjoy it there's there's all these things so he was he wasn't necessarily saying that that movie sucked completely but he was just like, I'm glad that there's a new one that like redeemed it for him in uh, 2004. Mm, the Zack Snyder film. Yeah, I, mm. I'm not a, I am not a Zack Snyder fan. I will, I will go on record saying that. But I was, I was just trying to watch like as as many zombie movies before that podcast. So I watched the 2004 version. I didn't know it was Zack Snyder, and I actually liked it. And so then when I was like looking up stuff about it, I was like, I was tricked into watching Zack Snyder. And yeah. it's, it is my favorite Zack Snyder movie, which is I not think, saying much. I think it honestly would be my second because I really like Legends of the Guardians, Owls of Gahul. Um, okay, I haven't seen that one. It's a really interesting animated film. Uh, beautiful movie and still holds up today. But I think that he... 
directed a really competent remake of Dawn of the Dead with some really questionable Christian uh, allegories sprinkled throughout where you're just kind of like, what are you trying to say, buddy? And the thing is, he's not really trying to say anything. He just thinks it sounds cool. Uh, And I think that's kind of where the Dawn of the Dead remake fails. I think I heard that he wasn't even the writer for that one. I thought it was was James James Gunn. Gunn. Yeah. James Gunn. But James Gunn has gone on record to say that a lot of his early scripts, Dawn of the Dead and and Scooby-Doo, were butchered by the directors of those films. Oh, okay. So, Uh, like, whether or not that's him shaving his ass, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. That I I am a James Gunn fan. I do think that he's 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 a lot of fun. I I think that he puts out like a really great level of what is it? Just like uh, everybody always talked about like joss whedon for the avengers you're like wow he just writes so well like uh, the ensemble just has such great dialogue back and forth and when i went and watched it i i watched it like a year after it came out and Mm -hmm. so i didn't see it in theaters i didn't i so i was just like kind of receiving all this hype for it Mm -hmm. and so i i was really disappointed by that one but i think james gunn is like somebody who actually really does good ensemble writing that he like just gives all the characters some like different dynamics and it's fun. I think I think there's something to be said about Joss Whedon how he handles a de- uh, a um an ensemble piece. Um, and I don't want to praise him too much because th- there's been things that come up about the man that's not great. Um, but he, I think he was the right choice to direct the Avengers. But I noticed as I kind of expanded my own knowledge and we, we talked a little bit about that you know i, I recently watched the west wing uh, for the first time okay yeah. I, have you ever seen it i have not i've seen plenty of other aaron sorkin things but yeah not excellent that. show and i really like aaron sorkin um and he but the way aaron sorkin writes dialogue i recognized joss whedon attempts to write the same way and amy sherman paladino who directed who wrote uh, gilmore girls and marvel's mr mazel very much the same way that kind of rhythm that kind of rhythm dialogue that's that for people who are not human speak like the, this is clearly dialogue written by a person who has never heard a human being speak okay yeah um and i really and so but it works because the way that that aaron sorkin and amy sherman paladino write it, it's compelling it's oftentimes funny they get actors who can really like really like deliver that dialogue in a natural way Joss Whedon attempts to write very similar, but he's not as good at it. Um, and it, and that's kind of where he falters. He can balance, he can balance an ensemble all day long, but he can't write the dialogue for that ensemble without it sounding a, very much like you're watching five of the same people talk in the same room. Mm. That's my theory, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I I think he does enough of a job to be able to like balance the he's balancing all of the people with the action and like that's the thing with like an aaron sorkin movie it's just talking there's like almost never any any action it's like oh we had we had this one moment where like somebody slams a laptop and you're like that's the action of the whole movie okay well Mm -hmm. yeah so aaron sorkin it looked really cool yeah i mean i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna slam him down for any of that his his writing is great but it it does kind of sometimes come off a little bit like right after you leave the theater, you're just like, wait a minute, nobody talks that fast. 
why did why was that janitor like the smartest person in that room or you know you got you got some of that kind of stuff and it's very preachy yes for sure i i think i was also noticing the other day that you've seen juno right yes yeah like i mean uh, there was like it felt like that movie when it came out she feels like she is just straight ripped straight out of like an aaron sorkin movie because she has like all the witty banter but nobody else does and then like it seemed to like create this uh teen movie kind of craze um all throughout that time i think what's that one with emma stone as a teenager it's easy a and like that's kind of a similar vibe like the one teen who's the main central figure gets all the cool lines and like they are just witty and crazy fast talking but nobody else gets to like have have the same like they're not granted that same gift of Aaron Sorkin-ness yeah I think um it, it, it's it's because of that oftentimes they're written as if they have encyclopedic knowledge of everything and um and no one else is written that way. But what, what Aaron Sorkin does is he writes everyone like they're written that way, with the exception of maybe mm-hmm. some people who are supposed to be quote unquote stupid. Um, right. And then Amy Sherman Palladino, who I mentioned, she writes everything, everyone like everyone's got a um, encyclopedic knowledge of every pop culture, including the indie music scene. Um, yeah. You know, the music scene that you've never heard of. Everyone in this town knows them. <laughs> I've never seen, uh, you said she wrote Gilmore Girls? Gilmore Girls, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen that one. I've, I've, I've always heard good things about it. But Did I do you like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes, just not the latest season. I'm like halfway through it. It's kind of like meandering and I'm like, uh, I, I get an itch to go watch it. And then I realize like, oh yeah, I'm not enjoying this season so much. Okay, I'll yeah, watch something else. Yeah. yeah, I'll agree with that. I think the last season wasn't as strong, but there's one more coming. It's supposed to be the last, so. Oh, okay well yeah i should probably i should catch up on that i for a while i really thought that like amazon tv shows were just like on this other level and now i just i don't think i can't think of the last time that i watched anything on amazon no actually i can there was the boys i did watch that but that's i, I think the I think last the boys show. Is pretty, i think the boys is pretty excellent yeah it's, it's a lot of fun it's a good show I mean, there's Invincible, and um, a lot of people like Rings of Power. I haven't finished it, so I can't really say. Um, I haven't even started that one. Yeah, I didn't watch long. that. I didn't, I didn't watch that. I didn't watch the... There were a lot of TV shows that people were like, I don't know that I can like accept your your criticism of like this of tv shows this year like did you watch anything i'm like i watched better call saul like i don't need to like watch anything else from from this year nothing else was going to achieve those highs for me mm-hmm. uh, but yeah people people kind of got on me for that for not watching rings of power for not watching what's that game of thrones one the, house of the dragon else. house of the dragon and andor and i'm like oh i i do want to watch andor but i just Ooh, haven't i haven't that's a good one it. Yeah, and that's like an amazing one for me. Like I it's nice to hear that Star Wars is getting something good again. Because I remember I was like sitting in Rise of Skywalker, sitting next to my friend who does not think that there is a single bad Star Wars movie or anything. Like he just loves yeah. them all. He can't differentiate that. And I'm just like seething in my seat 
hating it more and more as like everything happens. And I'm just like, this is the worst Star Wars movie ever. And like at the end, he's just like beaming and so excited. He's just like, oh man, that was great, wasn't it? And I'm like, no, I need to leave. <laughs> uh so we, we mentioned star wars simpsons uh so yeah. with, obviously movies are your primary fandom but like do you go for do you have like other like sub fandoms within the within movies like do you go are they like franchises you're like oh I, I i will watch every entry of this franchise because i love it hmm that's a great question uh because i still haven't even watched all of the the marvel movies there's there's a lot of garbage in, in the Marvel universe <laughs> that you don't sure. need to watch. Um, let's see. I've watched just about every Alien movie. I have watched every Terminator movie. I think that those are, are a lot of fun, even though there's only two good ones. Um, but I, I still love Terminator. I think that it's like such a, a fun kind of character. I think mm -hmm. that a lot of movies nowadays are just kind of ruined by like the internet being a thing. And it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, well, once you have internet and GPS, it's just like they can always track you. And so it, it kind of takes some of the sting out of like the enemies. Like you have Terminator 1. And Terminator 1 is like so kind of cool because the Terminator doesn't know like which Sarah Connor he's actually going after. He just knows I'm going after Sarah Connor. So he goes to this town and he's just like rips out from the phone book, all the different like Sarah Connor addresses and he's hunting them down systematically. And so like, he never knows if he's going to catch up to Sarah and she doesn't ever know that like he does or doesn't know her, her location. And so mm -hmm. there are, there's like moments where she can kind of feel like a little bit more at peace and where she's like oh we're hidden right now we've been hidden for a little bit we're gonna go do this other thing and I, I feel like that has like a better rhythm to it than like the latest what was that black dark fate. dark dark fate where it was just like the terminator always seemed to know where they were and he was just like chasing them down with government helicopters and gps units and things like that and it was just like okay well this is this kind of ruins it Mm -hmm. same with like spy movies like spy yeah. movies like once they're like oh we can like shut down the the internet and we can control every like we can just control a, a bomb via internet or something like that it's like it's not as it's not as much fun bring back like the old like 60s and 70s kind of like spy movies where they have like oh i'm just gonna blow up the moon or some with a laser and like it's it's like more spy that, gadgety actually. and stuff like that yeah like i need, agree with that actually I, I liked i i like i liked the latest james bond films but i think the new i think any new james bond film they need to go back to the 60s that would be great um who are they who's that one guy that they're talking about casting up for it um i heard aaron taylor johnson was that's it, aaron it. taylor johnson yeah and what do you what do you think of him would you want him as as james bond I don't think that I, for for me James Bond that's one of my fandoms. I love James Bond to death. Um, to me, Bond should be an unknown actor, someone who can make James Bond their own, and someone who you're when you see that actor, you think they're James Bond, not their so and so. Um, and, and so like they, so like Daniel Craig, Pierce Brosnan, Timothy Dalton, Roger Moore, 
Sean Connery, they were all relatively unknown actors at the time that they became Bond. Um, Roger Moore maybe was the most famous of actors mm-hmm. when he got Bond, but most people knew them, didn't, re- didn't really know who these actors were before they were Bond. So an actor like Aaron Taylor Johnson is kind of pushing up against that of like, oh, that's Aaron Taylor Johnson playing James Bond and not that's James Bond. But as an actor, he's kind of where I want them to go with Bond anyway. So I wouldn't be opposed. I don't think he's like really, really well known, right? Like he's, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. Like he's, he's like, he like pushes up against pushing up a little again. bit. Just because people are talking about him for for some other stuff, yeah. I yeah. I think that people do recognize that they do need like a little bit of star power, and I think that that's probably why they're kind of going that direction. It's like, okay, well, he's got a little bit of star power. We want to nab him up before he becomes like really big, and yeah. then it then it would like feel a little bit disingenuous. Like it wouldn't feel good if you have, like I know that people were talking about like Idris Elba a while back. And they're like, oh, Idris Elba should be, should be it. I thought Daniel Craig looked old from the get go. Like <laughs> every yeah. time, like when I watched that first movie with Casino Royale, I was like, this dude looks old. He's got just an old face. Mm-hmm. He's got like a hella great bod, but like his face just looks so leathery and old. And I was just like, really? Women are falling over this dude? Like that's mm-hmm. not my James Bond. Yeah, uh, my my I think Idris Elba would have been really good 10 years ago as Bond. But nowadays, I don't want I don't want them to do the I'm too old for this any, for this Bond, oh. because the last three James Bond movies, he retired. Um, and I'm right. and I'm so sick of it. I want some I want them to go younger. And Aaron Taylor Johnson's the, the right age for me. My yeah. perfect Bond casting is honestly Henry Golding. I don't know if you know who that is. No, I'm going to look it up really quick. So he was in Crazy Rich Asians. Um, he was in The Gentleman, um, Snake Eyes. Um, he was the star of Snake Eyes. Okay. I like him a lot as an actor. I think he's very charismatic and he's very attractive. Um, he would, to me, is like that's that's you want to do James Bond, but you know, but but you know, well, it's it's him. I think he could kill it as Bond. Interesting. I have not seen any of these movies that this guy is in. I've seen uh, most of his movies, I think, at this point. He's yeah. he's he's a romantic comic. He's a romantic comedy lead most of the time. Like he did Last Christmas with um, Emilia Clark, which I thought was really charming, yeah. and like someone who can. I think he can probably deal with the action better with a better choreographer than he did with Snake Eyes. But like someone who comes from the rom com place, someone who comes from like an attractive rom com actor situation, I think is a good bond because he's supposed to be really attractive. People are supposed to fall head over heels for him. Yeah, I I do think that there is like a part of that to James Bond. I'm I'm curious though, like if they want to continue with that type of a James Bond though, mm, like point. with. With the, I mean, they've they've shown that they like Hollywood wants to kind of like branch out, and and I don't think that he would be necessarily bad. Like I don't think that we need necessarily a another white man James Bond. I do think that James Bond is a male character. I, yeah. I do feel like that. Um, I I would be totally into um, a female spy led movie, but I, I I consider James Bond a a male role, and I. I, I so I think that this guy could be like a great a great fit. I 
don't have anything wrong with him. Um, but I'm just kind of curious if they, if they feel like they need to go with somebody who is like so suave and so like good looking, or if they want to try to find somebody who looks a little bit more every man. No, sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, that could be, it could very well be um, cause Ian Fleming was, was not the most attractive man in the world. <laughs> um, he wrote bond as kind of this, um, uh, a wish fulfillment character for himself. So you want to go back to that anyway, though, let's, let's move on a little bit. Cause we're, okay. we're running up on, on some time here and I want to get, I want to get some more things. So you, so you found your podcast, you want us to talk, you want us to talk movies on your podcast and, yeah. and with people. And that kind of became your space, right? That kind of became like this place where you're like, this is where, this is where I get to really shine my fandom. Um, I don't necessarily even think that it was like, a safe space i think that it's i think it's a spot for people to kind of be very vulnerable and yeah i guess i guess it is safe in in that regard that like i try to give people a a spot that they can like talk about a movie in a way that they are uh unused to that they are trying to say like hey this this movie did this for me um it, it doesn't feel like super vulnerable as a general thing, I, I guess. Um, um, yeah. But that kind of vulnerability is important for you to have on, on the show, because this is, you want, I mean, your, your show is called the movies that, that move us. Sorry. I keep wanting to say the movies that made us because there's a show on, Netflix. there is the Netflix. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so it's the movies that move us. Um, so you, you, you're looking for people who have been moved by movies and you want them to share their experiences. Yeah. But I think that the moving process that happens in people isn't always, it's not something that's like always an emotional response. It, it, yeah. it moved you to do something like for, for, you know, the recent episode that I had, we had somebody who he watched a scary movie and now he makes zombie zombie graphic novels mm -hmm. uh you know that's maybe he was scared at the time of watching a movie but it didn't necessarily like when he re-watched it later on he felt great about it he was like wow this this is the movie that i was scared of and now i i feel this other way um i think that i so far i i haven't really encountered anybody who has felt so um emotional about a, a film that they are maybe that they feel like it has to be like secretive to them. I, sure, yeah, yeah I, I, I would love for somebody who, who has like some deep dark secret about a movie that they want to like share, but uh, maybe, maybe one day. This movie made me kill a man. Oh, too deep, too deep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I knew that I needed to murder that person. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you said something earlier in the show that I want to touch on, which was um, yeah. film watching is not a passive experience um yeah. i th i love that because i um my my partner and i we uh we watch movies all the time and she's mm -hmm. always on her phone or she's on yes. doing something and i hate that personally because i agree i i think when you're watching a movie you know you sit down and you experience the movie because if you're not experiencing the movie what's the point but she thinks i'm crazy um well she might be the crazy one um i agree but, thank you i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna, re, I'm gonna take that yeah. audio file out and show it to her yeah 
Uh, I'm sure she'll appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that they're they're we've gotten to the point with Netflix shows and other streaming platforms that have created just so much content that it mm-hmm. we've kind of forgotten that we shouldn't be multitasking. Mm, People forget point. that there are these like amazing amazing shows. You have to have something that's very. Uh, they, we always talk about in in films the uh, principle of show don't tell. So mm-hmm. if you are if you're showing information on screen, you don't need to reiterate it. You don't need yeah. to like have the exact same thing. Um, after I had watched all of The Office, I went back and was like, kind of watching it and like using it to kind of help me fall asleep a, a couple times. And so I would just like have an episode on via Netflix, and I would just like turn off the screen. And it would like still continue the episode and play it. Mm-hmm. And they narrate every single thing that they do on screen where they're like, Dwight, no, don't do that. And like, they'll say like the thing like Dwight, leave Jim alone or, you know, something, something to that effect. And you know exactly what's going on, even though you don't have to like actually be watching it. There's no, yeah. none of that principle of like show don't tell. And so that's like a very kind of more, quantity type decision um that netflix has kind of like inundated us with with all these shows where they know that they are catering to people who want to be like doing something on their phone at the same time mm-hmm. everything is like very obvious but we get like some of these other things that do exist and i think that there is like a little bit of film snobbery that that kind of comes out in me of like no every movie needs to be this high quality like no Mm -hmm. not everyone does but we we need to like treat movies a little bit differently and so yeah there is like a uh, we have to like manually put away our phones and and like when i'm watching something at home it's very easy i'm about to like always pull out my phone i'm like wait i'm watching something that i really want to watch right now Uh, why why would i like disrupt it with with a phone and so i have to like just put it away and then i continue on and i enjoy the thing but you have like good properties that like better call saul that always followed its own rules and it established a like it it made it made sure that um by doing that uh show don't tell policy like that it it made sure that you were um you are rewarded for paying attention that closely. Mm. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I'm like watching Starship the Next Generation uh, with with my with my partner and, uh, because I want to get her to watch Star Trek Picard with me this mm-hmm. season. Um, and so she's going through it, and like there will be many times where I'll, well, I'll just you know there's like a there's like a, a a physical look or a physical gag that's meant to be funny, um, but yeah. that nobody's going to call it out because it's a it's a physical one. And and the show was made in the mid in the early to mid nineties, and that's that was before everyone had a cell phone, and she missed it, and like that, that like frustrates me because uh, I'm like you just missed this this really funny gag that I mean maybe she wouldn't have found it funny but still but yeah do you like going to like movie theaters because you, you that's kind of sensory deprivation for movies still yes I I do like the movie theater I think that there's um... I feel like I'm in a different headspace when I go to the theater. 
Like I yeah, go I, there and I think like, I am like watching this movie and I'm realizing now that like other people, like the younger generation, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I may not look it, but um, yeah, the younger say, generation young, but yeah. does not like follow the same like social contract and social structure mm-hmm. as like I did growing up of like having this reverence for the theater. And so I see like, I've had like in the past couple months, I've had to like get a, get somebody from the theater because somebody was like actively recording a huge chunk of the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, um, this person's like, I, I, I personally don't care if you're, if you're doing that or whatnot, but the person was sitting right in front of me. And so their screen was like on the whole time. I was just like, yo, put that away and they didn't and so then i went and like got somebody and like i've noticed that other people are like it's a big thing that people want to see reactions so they like go to the theater and record themselves reacting to a movie and it's like another weird thing that i i don't connect with at all with with the way that some people are are engaging with movies these days yeah there's a um there's a there's two things I want to say. I want to say in response to that, which which both I agree with. Um, but like the idea that you know people, I, I want to see Avatar, right? Avatar: The Way of Water. Uh, I yeah. was really excited for it. I still, I really like the movie. And great movie. But there was a person in front of me who was recording it for her Snapchat, uh, just you know, recording it, and and I'm like, I asked them to put it away. Yeah. And then I went and then and they they got very angry with me uh, and did not put and did not put it away. And I was like, how am I in the wrong? But the theater ended up it ended up kind of I had to leave because I missed so much of the movie arguing with the usher and the person who had their phone out. Oh, my gosh. And so, like, I was I was so furious, man. Um, and then the other thing is, like, there's a you, you listen to the Weekly Planet podcast. Um, I actually don't. I uh, okay, yeah, but we I, met in the we met in the Podmates group, so that, that's interesting. That, yeah, that, that you're yeah. part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we but there's a there is a a TikTok celebrity called uh, Soups, um, okay. who is one of the most annoying people in the world. Okay. Um, and he specifically went to see a screening of black Adam just to record himself freaking out about Henry Cavill's cameo at the end of that movie. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I've seen that one of like that person. It's just, <laughs> why would you do that? I, I, I get very frustrated by that, that people aren't really doing things for the thing anymore. Yeah. It's like, it used to be that you could like go and like, I want to like influencer culture as cool as it is. And like, it feels like if you are a genuine influencer, you are kind of a, the Renaissance man of, of this day and age where it's like, Mm -hmm. think about somebody like low Jake Paul and Logan Paul, like all the things that they get to do. They have a podcast, they have like video, like they did their video, uh, their vlogs and entries all the time. They got to, he gets to be a, a boxer now he's like a wwe or like some wrestler like he's in the wrestling federation or something uh like they he gets to literally be like a world traveler and like document that kind of stuff like is there anything that he doesn't get to do and so i i understand that like getting to do that is super cool but then it has made a lot of people want to do something just because that's like kind of the the thing to do it's 
I'm, I'm not explaining that that part very great um no i get you know, it i get it, it used to be that like you would go to a, a fancy you know you go to a restaurant because you want to do that for yourself but now yeah. it's like you go and record like oh look at the 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 food that i'm getting and then you like throw away the food because you already got the likes on your on your snapchat story or whatever it was and so yeah. you're not even like doing it for the food or for the activity anymore and it's you're not people doing are doing it. that with doing... the movies you're right you're not going to see black adam for because you want to go see black adam you're going to see black adam because you want to film yourself freaking out about henry cavill and getting likes yeah absolutely and like you're just and i get that we're in like a very capitalistic society and like everybody needs their money but i feel like man that's that's one of the the ways that we've gone horribly wrong with it like we've taken it a little bit too far so it's frustrating i mean i part of me part of me admires the these these kids who you know really like stood on our backs and 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 did what we were attempting to do what we, we we were we're in the same generation i don't know if i've said that yeah. um but we're we we started this whole like you know making money on the internet because the internet was so new to us and they've grown up with the internet and so they were able to take that to the next step to where they are actually making money with the internet um yeah but and like there's part of me that admires that and i'm really glad that they do that but also like they are so insufferable <laughs> <laughs> yeah um anyway though so your so so your podcast is about a year and a half old you said yeah i think we started it like september of uh 2021 okay so, yeah um has your views of your fandom changed at all and we've talked a little bit about influencer culture and things like that but are you more plugged in than you used to be and and is that like and maybe not even because of your fandom, but like just kind of because of your podcast, but like being plugged into fandom spaces, does that affect the kind of enjoyment of your, of your fandom? Um, you know, I, I've noticed that like, it's, it's been a little bit more difficult in, in times to try to get people who like, I, I thought at first tons of people would be like, just, wanting to to get on the podcast and they would have like all these great stories about like oh here was this movie that like really changed my life and did this and it's made me realize that like maybe not everybody really engages with movies in in the same way Mm -hmm. and so that that has been like oh uh that that was like a little bit of a blow to myself of my my own self-esteem perhaps that was like oh yeah people are not engaging with movies in the same way but it did inspire me to kind of look in other spheres and then i found like some other people who really did have like some big um some big moments from from movies and so i'm i'm still trying to get some of those people uh onto my podcast as well to try to branch it out um overall though like it engaging with it and with a podcast it does make me uh, I, I could see how if I was doing it too much, too often, I could get really um, inundated with it and maybe a little bit uh, burnt out on it. But no, I I, I feel like every, after every like good episode that, that we have, then it just like kind of rejuvenates me even more. And so then I'm like, oh no, like this one was a great discussion that we had with, with so-and-so. This was like emblematic of like what I'm trying to achieve with it and so then it just like kind of rejuvenates me and like gets me thinking like yeah there are people out there who who do have this 
That's good. Um, well, that's the last question I had for you. All right. Well, you know, I, I had a lot of fun. I do think I, I, I wanted to ask you about something because you, you mentioned, uh, uh, you had mentioned uh, a little bit briefly about uh, James Gunn, not wanting to talk too much about him. And what, what do you think is the responsibility of the audience in separating the art from the artist? Mm. Do you feel like there is any, any, uh, any need for us to do that? Should we, should we try to divorce that? I think it's a really complicated subject that really comes down to the person as a singular being. Um, for example, uh, Mel Gibson. I won't see a Mel Gibson movie. I'm a Jewish person and he said too many anti-Semitic things for me to support him. Um, but I don't begrudge anyone for supporting a Mel Gibson movie. He makes some perfectly fine movies. Um, and he's not going around actively hurting, uh, punching Jewish people. So like, right. that's a, that's a, um, a personal choice that I made. And like, sometimes I'll break that. I like, I watched Expendables, whatever the one he was in. Oh, um, I didn't know he was in one. Yeah. I think he did the third one. I don't remember. That's probably it. But he, um, but so like, if it's like an ensemble piece with a cast that I really like, I'll, I'll, I'll wave that. There's been, it, there, the stuff with like James Gunn, Zachary Levi, um, Letitia Wright, not all the same things, but there have been things about them that have come out. It's really a case by case basis of like, did this person apologize? Did this person explain their actions? Did this person not explain their actions? And then kind of like, how much of that am I willing to be like, but I really want to see your movie for this, this, and this reason. Mm -hmm. But then there's some, then there's people like JK Rowling. Mm -hmm. who actively uses her platform to attack people um, who don't agree with her, who are, uh, who are trans. Um, I've got plenty of, I got, I got trans friends. I follow trans people. And so I, I'm kind of always in this kind of JK Rowling discussion because she won't shut up about mm -hmm. it. And that's kind of where, and so when it gets to a point like that, where it's someone who is constantly using their platform to peddle this kind of hatred and, and, and really push into these kind of right-wing politics that are actively hurting people. That's where I draw the line of like, I will not support you anymore. 100%. There won't even be an excuse that can be made at this point. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a personal thing. I think it's really how you feel personally uh, at the end of the day, how far, yeah. how, how your, how your, what your threshold is is important to you, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, part of what you had said at, at the beginning really resonates with me of like, you know, you make a decision yourself, but you don't yeah. like hold somebody else to the same standard. Like you're not holding somebody else being like, you went and saw this Mel Gibson movie. Yeah. How dare you? And I I do think that, yeah, it's, a, it's certainly a complicated uh, situation, especially when you have people who, you know, let's take a, Kevin Spacey, for example, mm -hmm. amazing A plus actor who has done some of the most iconic roles, uh, just some of the best performances ever. Despicable person. Yeah. And it's, it, it makes it all the harder when you know that that person could receive uh, money from you seeing their films. Mm hmm um it's it's difficult yeah, in a case um, like that though i often look at like 
when it's Kevin Spacey, like I'll watch Superman Returns again. I own that. There's no reason why I, I like his I like his Lex Luthor. I like Brandon Routh as Superman. I'll watch that. I won't support anything new from him. Yeah, I think that that's a good way to to go about it. Yeah, and so like there's people, but then there's people like Gina Carano and Kevin Sorbo who say these things and then go so far right that they're doing these right wing movies for Breitbart, which like I'm never going to see your movie anyway, so like I don't give a shit about you anymore. Yeah, like they're and I. I, I've had some some friends who are like they're trying to show me like oh hey look the it's not Blaze who's who's the other other one Daily Wire has like some mm-hmm. movies that they're making and it just feels like oh man these uh, I am hesitant to to watch any of them because I just don't know like how I I don't like any movie that has like some just like message that is so heavy-handed and just like ham-fisted into it and it's like i i don't want it like either way left wing right wing or whatever like i i don't i don't want the movie to like necessarily just be like this is why you need to do this i want it to be a little bit more complicated a little bit more in the middle there and like present like a bunch of different uh i think movies do best when they present situations and let you as the viewer kind of interpret it yourself and sure. kind of understand like okay where where do i fit in on this the only two trailers i ever saw for breitbart films are one where kevin sorbo did a movie where the second amendment let me see if i can remember this the second amendment was taken away and him him and his family are trying to escape a post-apocalyptic uh sorry a, a, a pre-apocalyptic so apocalypse is happening while liberals have become these like crazed horrible zombie people who are trying to take away guns and kevin sorbo is trying to save his family and his guns and then there's the hunter biden movie that gina carano did where it's about some girl who it's about some secret service agent who was with biden on the campaign trail i don't know oh. but and that, and like those kinds of movies i'm like even if they looked good i, I wouldn't see them but they look like garbage, so I, I'm definitely not going to go see them. Is this, uh, looks like Kevin Sorbo's directing one called Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. <laughs> I saw that on my AMC A-list. <laughs> I have AMC A-list. Like, I saw that was like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, when I when I had the AMC like A-list, I, I kept just seeing tons of movies that I, I had no business in seeing, where it was just mm-hmm. like, even the uh what was it what's that stephen king movie that came out last year firestarter oh yeah with zach efron so bad i i hadn't walked out of a movie in over a decade and i did walk out of that one where i was just like you know what i i didn't pay any money like any more money to go see this one i'm not getting anything out of this i'm just leaving and I should have walked out of like some other movies that were just terrible, like the uh, the Thor four and Lightyear. I just couldn't stand either of those movies. They were just so bad. <laughs> Lightyear, I kind of liked. Um, oh. Thor four, I've kind of soured on, but Lightyear was a film that um, I think is is a decent sci fi film when you take away the idea that it's meant to be the movie that Andy saw in the nineties, cause like no nineties sci-fi film had that story. No, it, it was a, it was an unfortunate one. I, I didn't enjoy the, the big twist that they were, that they were going for, for it. Mm-hmm. And I 
I just didn't really like the uh, the demeanor of most of the characters where they were just like, I can't do this thing. Like before every decision, they had to like feel bad for themselves. Mm-hmm. Of like, I'm not, po- it's not possible for me. I felt like something like Puss in Boots showed his like his weakness, like his inner, his inner weakness and like um, his attempts to like try to like push past that yeah. in a, better way like it just addressed that in a in a, like a better way than than like you did for me personally oh, i loved i loved puss in boots puss in boots has like it's it's kind of secretly becoming like the best movie of 2023 <laughs> like, even though it, you meant 2022 no or sorry yeah of 2022 um yeah. yeah just like it had like no i i don't know where their like budget for like marketing was Cause like nobody, I, I didn't see any ads for it. I saw like the little cutout of it, like at the yeah. theater, but like, I was just like, I was convinced I wasn't going to go see it, but just like the, the way that people are just talking about it. Like I had a, one friend who was just like, I went and saw this. It was really good. And I'm like, I like animated films. I should just go watch it. I don't know why. And like, it's dang that was so good and i told like everybody else like no this is like an amazing movie and even like i don't think that you can hype that one up enough like people will still go in they love it they're just like wow that was that was so much fun whereas like for the first time in many years dreamworks actually beat disney yes yeah i i i'm really hoping for like a puss in boots win at the oscars oh me too man that'd be so good yeah, I mean, it would Shrek, be them Shrek or won the Oscar the first time, very very first year that they ever had that like animated film category. So I'm 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 fingers crossed for them. Like they they deserve it. Like it was such a freaking good movie. Everything about it. Um, whereas like something like Avatar, I do like Avatar: The Way of Water. I don't. Did you ever actually actually finish seeing that movie? Did I did. I, we we went to see oh. the screening afterwards. Okay, and. I feel like that movie is amazing to see in 3D when you can see that like 3D IMAX, like all that kind of stuff. But as soon as you can't see that movie 3D anymore, I don't, I don't want to ever recommend anybody to ever see that. Like I don't, but like Puss in Boots, like I can, I can recommend that all the live long day to people. Yeah. Like I just be like, watch that on your phone. Watch it. Yes. Yeah. We actually, uh, we just recently had, um, so you remember like the opening scene where they have like the music playing and they're like going mm-hmm. bouncing around in the car and whatnot. We actually just recently had an episode um, with the guy who wrote the music for, for that segment of, of the bad guys. And uh, awesome. he, he mentioned uh, it, it's a great one because um, the guy who was directing it, he, um, he had actually like wanted to use that movie and had storyboarded to that, to that specific song years before and said like really? this is the this is the song that we are going to do he didn't have the rights yet anything like and this guy's kind of mostly unknown mm-hmm. uh rap artist and it, it's a great it's a great one yeah i definitely recommend it okay well that's all i got for you unless right. you have another question for me that was fun um no i, th- I think that that's that's good why don't you take the time now to plug uh, plug your show, plug your social medias, whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd. I go by Whale Home on there. And that's all one word, Whale Home. Whale and home. you can also, uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, um, Mahatma Blondie. And 
Sorry, I wasn't prepared yeah. for that. No, no, it's it's a good one. I, uh, I don't really, uh, I don't support AI generating uh, images as, anymore, but um, prior to me kind of understanding some some more of that stuff, I, I, I even made like a Gandhi with like a blonde, with blonde hair um oh, with cute. that so it's it's a really good image um so it, it's a good one on there um and then uh yeah you can you can follow the uh the movies that move us podcast we're on we're currently on spotify and anchor i'm trying to get it onto uh, apple uh apple podcasts uh, and and some other services uh, going forward but right now just follow us on on spotify it's uh if you have a little bit of difficulty finding it it's like a picture with a it's a blue picture with two white uh, whitish faces looking at each other and uh, having a, a little talk in, in front of a microphone. Okay. Um, well, excellent, sir. All those links will be, will be down below. I'm sure my future self has put them there. Let's hope. Yep. Um, uh, again, thank you so much. This was a great talk. Um, I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that I could uh, talk to you about movies. Excellent. Uh, well, again, thank you so much. And I'll let my, uh, I'll let my future self play us out. All right, I am officially retiring the, quote, past me, unquote, joke for at least this episode. Uh, so I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed doing it. Uh, Al's a great guy. You can check out all of his socials and his show in the description below. Please do. It's a cool show. I've listened to a few episodes. Um, but let me just say thank you again, Al. Um, I was happy to have you on, and I hope uh, you had a good time. Perhaps we could collaborate again sometime. That'd be fun. Uh, I'd love to collaborate with everyone I've had as a guest. Um, they're always great people to talk to okay so here's the info dump at the end of the show that you've all been waiting for or that i guess i promised you conversation is part of the fake nerd podcast family of podcasts which hosts a ton of other shows as of now the strikes the sag after strike and the wga strike seem to be over the wga and sag after have hopefully secured deals that will allow them protections and guarantees as the film industry continues to change like anyone who's a fan of this industry, I'm very excited for them, and I hope that uh, it paves the way for a better future. But this also means that a few of our shows, like Fake Nerds Watch and so on, um, which weren't able to come out, uh, will start to roll out. So be sure to check out FakeNerdPodcast.com to keep up to date on all of that. Okay, so here's what happened. In short, I got super burnt out. The main podcast, Fake Nerd Podcast, had become very difficult for me to do. We transitioned into uh, just a uh, just a news show. Um, so we used to do a show which was um, kind of like what we were doing during the week, and then we would do the news, and then we would do like a topic. Normally it was a review, and then we would do a book club. My favorite parts were everything that weren't the news. I liked basically everything else. I kind of just saw the news as like a necessary evil to do. But we took all that stuff out, except for the um, kind of the weekly roundup stuff. And then we just started doing news and that wasn't, that wasn't working for me after a while. I was just so bored and disinterested in that. I really did think I could do it, but, uh, or that I'd be okay with it. But after a while it became clear that I wasn't, uh, because of that, my interest in doing the other shows that I, that I do like doing, uh, also started to wane. Uh, normally if I wasn't happy with Fickner podcast, which look, I'll be honest, it happens a lot. Um, I'd put in more of an effort into, say, Conversation or Fickner's Watch or my writings even, or what have you, but it just wasn't working anymore, and the burnout hit me really, really hard. It began to seep into everything else, and I just wasn't interested in 
doing the other things that I used to be. And even getting this episode out was a struggle. And, you know, I don't want to put everything on Fickner Podcast or my co-host. It's not their fault at all. It's just there were other things also, like we weren't doing movie reviews anymore um, or talking about the TV shows that I wanted to talk about. So I just got really bored talking about Marvel and bur- really burnt out talking about like Marvel and Star Wars stuff. And um, we weren't doing any movie reviews, which I really love doing movie reviews. And then uh, a magazine I was a part of that I really put a lot of effort into that I really loved doing it just started just folded. And that really hurt me. And that had a big impact on, on everything. So it wasn't just fake Nerd podcast. I just I don't want to put everything on that. Uh, it was a lot of things that were just kind of happening all at the same time. So I did confront my co-hosts about it, and we seem to have found a compromise that will hopefully work. Um, I'm already beginning to feel better about it, too. And if it continues to work, then I'm on a path to, con- to confront my burnout and find my passion again. It'll take a while, but I can already feel myself feeling better. That's probably too much of an explanation, Uh, So to bring it back around, because of this, I'm going to do my best to wrap up the season within the next couple of weeks. I've got some time off for my job, so the goal is to get these out weekly until the end of the season. Not to just, like, get rid of it, but because the hiatus was so long and the burnout is so real, it's better to just kind of push through and get these last couple of episodes out, because there's not many, and I do want people to hear them. They're good episodes. So anyway, links to everything we do can be found on our social media and on our website, which is linked below. We also have a Patreon and Public store if you'd like to support us financially. Uh, lastly, please give this show, Conversation, some love on social media, which is at Conver- underscore station on Twitter. I do, I do really love putting this show together, and I'm sorry the hiatus was so long this time, but uh, please leave a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice if you can. Um, also, or if you think I deserve it, I think I do. Also, if you'd like to be on the show or send me questions or letters or things, that is conversationpod at gmail.com. There will be a third season. It's just going to be a little longer than I had hoped. All right, that's enough blabbering from me. Like, really. You are not. You don't come here to listen to me talk. You come here to listen to the other podcasters talk. But thank you for your support, as always. Um, you know, I'm, I hope that I didn't lose any of my audience uh, in the interim. We've only got three episodes left in the season after this one. Um, it's very exciting that they're good episodes. I'm really excited for you guys to hear them. The next episode is going to be Kit Marie Rackley from the Coffee and Geography podcast. Um, so here's a clip from that. So, for example, when in Jesse Gender's Discord, you know, when when you when you're you're talking about how something may relate to your trans identity, you know, or, you know, there are a lot of people in that room that understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so and. You know, we're 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 small in number. You know, we're 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 naught point something percent of any population. So to have that place where we can all gather together and just be, our identity first and foremost is nerds and geeks. Yeah. You know, and then we're bringing in our lived experiences. As in, this is this is it's it's yeah, it's it's that is where you're right. That is where our safe space are. But you know, just the the genuine fans. You know, who live by the true you know, mantra of idic, you know, infinite diversity and infinite combination, you know, you'll always find a safe space for people who truly live to that mantra. All right, guys, until next time, stay true to the fan in you.